Hey everyone, and welcome to Have Disability, Will Travel, a podcast from the Accessible Travel Forum. This podcast takes us around the world so we can talk to people in the accessible travel industry. Influencers, nonprofits, travel companies, and people like you and me who don't let our disability get in the way of a great vacation. My name is Josh, and I'm glad you're along for the ride. So grab your passport and let's get going. In this episode, we talk with Carrie Ann Lightly. Carrie Ann has been working in the accessible travel industry since she was 18 years old and has worn many different hats. She currently works in marketing for Access Able, an organization that aims to create incredibly thorough access guides to any place you might want to go in the UK. But let's hear it in Carrie Ann's words. Hi, Carrie Ann. How are you today? Hello, Josh. I'm good, thank you. I, hear, I understand it's uh, in the morning there, so you're having a cup of coffee. Yes, that's right. That's right. Vital. for the, It's uh, evening here in Japan, so I'm enjoying a glass of wine, which is sort of a reoccurring theme in all these podcasts. I have to be careful yeah. I don't indulge too much. So, <laughs> But yeah, we've um, interacted a number of times uh, through Twitter and in different Facebook groups and stuff like that. So, But this is actually the first time we've ever really talked to each other, so I'm quite excited that's about true. that. Yeah, uh, me too. Okay, so first of all, um, well, this is a, a podcast about accessible travel, um, so I guess everybody has to give their credentials. So um, I understand you're disabled. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that and uh, how it affects you? Absolutely, yeah. So I have cerebral palsy. Um, I am a wheelchair user. Um, it affects mainly, mainly my legs, um, and I'm quite sort of... I'm lucky enough to be quite flexible um, and independent outside of my wheelchair if I need to. Um, so I can transfer to another seat or into a vehicle or something like that. Oh. Um, and I can even manage the, the odd stair and step if that's in inside a property. Right. Um, so is that a power wheelchair or is it a manual wheelchair? Um, I actually have a manual wheelchair with a power pack. Um, so it's a bit of both. Um, okay. So it's a rigid frame manual chair and it has um, a light drive power pack that attaches and detaches. Okay. Um, and I also use a free wheel on the front of the chair as well, just to help the, the manual wheels deal with the, the extra speed. Um, right. But I find it's the best option for me. It's the most flexible option for me because it allows travel with with a power pack um even in you know smaller vehicles and that sort of thing because it all breaks down mm, okay, yeah i'm a very big uh power wheelchair so that uh getting into going up steps and uh getting lifted anywhere is pretty much out of the question but uh i, I travel quite a bit by the power chair so i need the extra battery power i guess but yeah yeah no i used i used to have a large power chair um that was supplied by uh, by the NHS in this country, and it just it just didn't allow me the flexibility that I needed, really. Right. Um, as well as not not kind of being supportive enough posturally, um, mm. it wasn't it wasn't really the right size for me and things like that. Um, so a couple of years ago, I did I did some fundraising, um, some crowdfunding, and some fundraising events, um, and managed to raise enough funds uh, for this for this wheelchair, which does work really well. Um, as I say, it all breaks down into quite small components and it's all um fairly lightweight and easy to to pick up so um okay. so it means that we can go anywhere with it really which is good 
Well, that leads in perfectly to the next question uh, about travel, because that's the other part mm-hmm. of the accessible travel. Um, so um, can you tell us a little bit maybe about your first travel experience that you remember? Yeah, I mean, I traveled quite a lot with my family when I was younger. Um, so with my parents and also my grandparents. Um, and re- my memories are that really, you know, there wasn't really such thing as an, an adapted or an accessible room in a standard hotel back mm. in those days. Um, we'd go to the, you know, the typical holiday resorts that a lot of people travel to from the UK. So it would be European places, you know, Spain. Um, I was lucky enough to, to go to Florida once with my grandparents and, um, and do the whole Disney thing. Um, oh, sorry. But, Sorry. Oh, did you um, did you enjoy travel at the first part, or did you gradually yeah, start to yeah, like no, it? Yeah, abs- no, absolutely, I did. I very much enjoyed it. But I think my my lasting memory from my early travels is that we just kind of made do with the facilities that we found. Right. Um, I I don't remember it particularly being a struggle. I guess it's easier when you're a small child and you're easily picked up, and you know all of that sort of thing. Mm. Um, but, so I I think you know I. My my first experience, really, of what I would call truly accessible travel um, was was when I was 18 years old, um, when I started working in the field. And I went to London to meet um, one of the hotels that uh, my employers worked with and, you know, got a, got a tour of these accessible rooms um, that had ceiling track hoists and profiling beds and, you know, all the standard kind of wheeling shower and that sort of thing. Um, and I'd, ne- I'd never seen anything like it before. Um, so it really was quite a, quite a revelation, really. Okay. So if you've traveled a lot around the world, I guess, or, or maybe some of the places you want to brag about that you've been to, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I've I've done quite a lot of travel. Um, not too many exotic destinations. I guess my my favourite exotic place was um, Cancun in Ooh. in Mexico. That was that was our honeymoon destination six okay. years ago. Um, and I found that was very good for accessibility because you know you get a lot of the the American standards over there. I guess. Okay. Um, but really. In in latter years, I've I've fell in love with a with a European city break, you know, with with just having a really short trip, packing a lot into a small space of time, and really trying to trying to travel like a local and see everything on the ground. And mm. I think my 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 kind of favourite one of those was probably Rome. Um, so we've with within those kind of destinations, I've been to Rome, I've been to Barcelona, um, Parma in Mallorca. Um, a couple of other places in Italy as well, so um, Florence, uh, Pisa, and Lucca. Um, and I think I definitely want to do some more exploring of of that kind of nature. Um, it's it's really how I like to travel. I don't find it very relaxing. I think I come home and feel maybe just as exhausted as before I went on holiday. <laughs> um, but I think you know you get so many so many memories and so many experiences mm. from um, from from traveling in that way, and that's um, that's really what I want to do more of. Right now, speaking of experiences, then uh, I'm sure you've had some good experiences, but also you maybe had some bad experiences. Are there any that you could share that just things went horribly wrong? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've found traveling to to countries sort of I guess outside of that European aspect so mm. places um like Egypt or Tunisia um okay. and even Turkey to some extent um 
there's you know there's intentions in terms of accessibility they are right. trying but they just don't really get it oh. um so i think in both turkey and tunisia actually you know the resorts that we were staying in they all had had ramps but the ramps were actually so steep that they might as well have just been steps for, oh, no. for you know how how useful they were to me and you know i still needed a pusher um right. to to get me to get me up and down them um so I think, you know, from an infrastructure perspective, like I say, the intention is there. Mm. Um, but I guess, I guess, you know, things aren't regulated like they are in this country and, and other European countries and even in the US. Um, you know, I know we have quite strict rules in terms of ramp gradients and those right. sorts of things. Um, and yeah, I found that didn't really exist. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. I'm, I'm the kind of person I have the kind of attitude. I'll always make the best of, right. of you know, anything I encounter on holiday. Because, um, you know, you're still on holiday at the end of the day. And, yeah, and exactly. I've, I, I guess I was brought up and taught to, you know, we can always find a way. We can always find a way around it. Um, but, you know, it does, it does kind of, I guess, put you off going back to those kind of destinations again. Right. Okay. Um, so just kind of translate, uh, transition here into, um, your work life. And apparently it's, you know, it's not really that different than your hobbies of traveling. Um, I understand that you start working in the travel industry from 18 at a place called tourism for all. Yeah, that's right. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what that uh, organization does? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, tourism for all is a small charity, um, that supports, disabled people in finding um, information about accessible holiday and travel okay. destinations or equipment. It could be anything from, you know, locating a suitable hotel to locating some wheelchair hire, um, maybe supporting with, you know, financial help, information, um, all sorts of different queries. Um, and that's operated by, by Helpline Support. Um, and they also work with accessible tourism businesses um, to help them promote their accessibility and also provide staff training. Um, so, yeah, I worked I worked tourism for 13 years. Um, and I guess that, that was probably where I discovered my love of travel. It, would, it had always been something I'd enjoyed. Mm. Um, but I, I, you know, I actively started kind of building more travel into my life and um, making my life more about travel, I guess, from, from, from starting working there, really. What was your job there? Your job position? Did it change um, over the 13 years? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, I ended up, I guess, um, information service manager, um, which was pretty all-encompassing, to be honest, right. um, because it was a, it was and still is a small organisation. Um, I I um, found myself wearing lots of different hats throughout the day, really. I think it's quite difficult to describe the role in a nutshell, mm. but it could have been anything from, you know, taking those those phone calls on the head on the helpline to um to, you know, going to meet with with businesses to get them signed up as partners, um, or, you know, marketing, social media, website development. So lots lots and lots, lots of things wow. going on okay. there. Yeah. So that's really great. Um, sorry, my Japanese came out there for a second. Um, okay, so you've just transitioned though, um, and you're now at Accessible, or is it Accessible? Yeah, how, how do you pronounce it? Accessible, yeah. Okay. Accessible, that's right. So and I um, I joined in um, in June this year. Oh, so just a couple months ago then? Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, can you tell us a little bit about that organization, what you guys do? and uh... Yeah, of course, of course. So Accessible is the new name for Disabled Go. Um, we used to be called Disabled Go, and we were Disabled Go for 18 years. Um, and what we do is we supply um, accessibility guides, so accessibility information about um, public buildings, businesses, venues, really anywhere where, where an individual might want to visit within the UK. So it could be anything from a hospital to um, maybe a hotel or a restaurant, a university, Um we have, you know, football stadiums. We have lo- many, many, many different businesses um, and different sectors that we that we cover. Um, and each organisation that we cover on the website has been mm-hmm. visited and assessed by a trained surveyor. Crucially, um, okay. so we, we we don't we don't give information about somewhere that we haven't visited. Um, and it's not up to the business that says, "Oh, we're fine. Or we're accessible." Yeah, no, absolutely, and and that's crucially that's another way that we sort of don't operate we don't we don't rate places we don't say that accessibility is good or accessibility is bad in a particular venue because we recognize that everybody who who uses our information and accessibility guides has different needs and wants and requirements so everybody's an individual we know that you know even even two people with the same with the same medical condition like you and i for Mm. instance um will have very different requirements um so we report the facts facts figures and photographs they're very it's very very detailed information because it's you know everything from kind of hearing loops to parking walking distances accessible toilets lighting levels lots and lots and lots of different um information um and we've just recently um, rebranded, so we've we've relaunched as Accessable. We've launched a new website. Um, we've also launched a, a mobile phone app, which we're really excited about. Oh, um, we what we're what we're trying to do with this app is really to give some element of spontaneity back. You know, we recognise that mm. a lot of a lot of life i guess as a disabled person is about you know pre-planning and Mm. forward planning and it's it's very difficult to just get up and go and feel spontaneous and you know with this app it will give the ability to find information on the go um it will give the ability to create an account and save um your accessibility requirements that can be done both on the website and on the app so that each time you search it will be filtered by your individual requirements and as well with the app um you'll have the ability to save guides and use them offline and so it won't be dependent on an internet or data connection right Uh, how are you guys funded then is that from through the government or do you have uh, partnerships so so yeah we're, we're funded by our clients essentially by our partners who are the the businesses that we go and survey so we we work in four different sectors we work with um healthcare so with the nhs in this country um we work with education universities and colleges we work with local authorities and local councils in in different areas and we work with the private sector um, and, you know, private sector, it's generally sort of large retail chains. So we work with Marks and Spencer, for instance. Okay. Um, 
or you know um, hotel chains. So we work with Q Green, who cover a lot of the Holiday Inn hotels in this okay. country. Um, and we we also work um, with the the Premier League for football stadia. Oh wow! Um, and lots and lots of other different private sector businesses. I am still fairly new, so I'm still learning how broad our our client base is. Right. Um, so are you going to be wearing a lot of hats there, or do you have a more clear? job description so yeah so i'm marketing manager um and so it it is it is a bit more kind of strategic and straightforward than my previous role um so i'm i'm predominantly looking at like i guess all things marketing really so social media um website um creating kind of marketing collateral and marketing materials so we've just brought out a load of new kind of pens and leaflets and mugs and key rings all branded with our with our new branding um helping to support our partnerships team in organizing launch events and promoting on the back of those um and many many other sort of uh, marketing, marketing aspects really, but um, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, really? It's been it's been a big change. It's definitely a very different culture to my previous job, but mm. um, definitely something that I'm that I feel like I'm thriving in. So um, yeah, very happy. Well, you're doing a good job marketing because you've already got yourself onto a podcast here in Japan. <laughs> yeah, so. absolutely. Um, so yeah, I guess well, you're probably quite busy right now, so you haven't had a chance to do it lately, but. I know that you also did a lot of uh, freelance writing on travel and accessible travel in particular. Um, yeah, can you tell us some of the places you've written for? Yeah, of course. Um, so I've, um, I've, I've, well, I regularly write for Disability Horizons, um, Disability Magazine website in this in this country um that is something that i'm going to be picking up again very shortly i've had a little break from that whilst um, mm. whilst job changes and things have been happening but you'll see some more articles from me on there very soon um i've also written for the guardian um i've written for TripAdvisor. i've written accessible travel guides for TripAdvisor. Oh, wow. um and i've written for huff post as well okay Actually, I was reading one of your pieces on the HuffPost, and uh, you talk about uh, you know the stress and anxiety of planning um, for when you travel with a disability, and mm. a number of times I kept saying, yes, yes, uh, that's so true. Um, do you feel that uh, in a lot of times in the accessible travel industry, a lot of people focus on you know a lot of the details, but um, they don't necessarily address the, the fact of some of the extra stress and the anxiety that comes uh, with planning? Yeah, I, I think absolutely that's an element. And I think there is the the kind of potential pitfall, I guess, for people to look at um, accommodating people's medical conditions as, as, you know, singular things. So mm. I'm a wheelchair user, so so that's what they've got to accommodate. You know, this person might have, might have a learning disability, so that's what they've got to accommodate. And I, I think actually... Um, looking at it from a from a human perspective and going you know well this this person actually could also be suffering with serious anxiety mm. um and and you know how do we alleviate that and actually are the measures that we're putting in place to to make things accessible for their wheelchair actually making things worse from from an anxiety perspective you know um i mean i think that 
travel physically as a wheelchair user naturally there are a lot of elements of it that, that will make you anxious because I, I think you know if you're traveling if you're traveling by air or if you're traveling to a different country there are a lot of unknowns you can you can spend months and months and months planning and I frequently do mm. um, but you can't cover everything you can't 100% guarantee that everything you're going to come across is going to be as you've planned or is going to be suitable for you. Right. I think the, the, the major anxiety is obviously, you know, travelling by air with a wheelchair and the potential damage that could happen to your wheelchair and, you know, not knowing that until you get off your flight at the other end. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, there are there are a lot of great people campaigning the aviation industry and really trying to make a huge difference there. Um, and, and I hope that we will see some change, some change coming. Um, but, you know, I think, yeah, I think it, it doesn't get spoken about enough, really, mm. um, that, that, you know, though travel for me is actually something that, that broadens my horizons and builds my confidence and you know I think there's nothing more powerful than getting outside of your comfort zone I think that's so good for a person Mm. um but actually to get there it can be an incredibly difficult thing mentally you 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 do I think you do have to be very brave Mm. um and you and you really do have to you know push yourself and um and um but I guess put some put some faith in the unknown and it's not always an easy thing to do um when you have a particular set of requirements mm. is there anything do you think that um I'm sure there's no one easy answer but uh for people mm. in the accessible travel industry or the travel industry in general um that could be done to start to address that issue for example maybe uh being preemptive about um talking to people about you know are there any concerns that you have or something like that or yeah i think i think it really is just treat everybody as an individual just Mm. you know one one of the things that i've said for many years is that really you know accessible travel and looking after your disabled customer as well it's just good customer service Mm. it's it's not actually anything different or anything special than than looking after the rest of your customers you know it's about treating everybody as an individual and taking the time to speak with them and you know find out what you can do to help them and what you can do to make them feel better um i i think you know that's it's not a magic wand it's never I, you know it's going to be impossible to fix to fix everything in one go um and and you know it's it's and I think accessible travel is never going to be perfect. I would love it if it was, but then I guess all of us might be out of a job if it was as well. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, I, I think it, we we do have to have a certain element of just perseverance from our right. point of view. But I think from an industry perspective, it is just, you know, we're all just human beings. We're all just individuals and we, we just need to mutually treat each other with with respect and kindness do you have any uh, personal things that you do before for example uh, maybe you mentioned you plan a lot and that sort of probably will help i guess help you uh, with any anxieties that you you at least know what's coming but do you have anything else for example maybe uh, you books or music or relaxing i think yeah yeah so i i read a lot when i travel it's probably the time that i read most in my life i guess like a lot of people it's you find yourself with with time to do it when you're mm. when you're away from home and you're not working and things um so that's that's something that i do quite a lot i do a huge amount of planning um i always try and travel with a guidebook um 
not usually specifically an accessible guidebook to be honest but just something where I can really sit and read and learn about a destination and try and work out what I want to see and what I want to do um supplement that with my own accessibility research I guess um and I you know from a perspective of you know things like equipment um so looking after my wheelchair and that sort of thing I'll just do everything I can to protect it you know right. I travel with my power pack I have a huge very um sturdy hard shell suitcase that I cover in fragile stickers and wheelchair stickers and it mm. all gets packed in there and wrapped up in um in protection um and and I think you know to some extent you then know that you've done everything you can um but there is still that unknown factor right yeah Okay. Well, we're going to head back to your home country now. Um, mm. And uh, now you're on your TV star as well. Uh, you're on an <laughs> ITV uh, program about accessible travel and in particular about uh, trains uh, in the yeah. UK. Can you just yeah. sort of um, tell a little bit about what some of the challenges are of riding the train in the UK are for a disabled yeah, rider? Yeah. So I travel by train a huge amount, pretty much weekly for work at the moment. Right. Um. And I think the, the the main things that are challenges or issues is that we, we have to, in this country, pre-book any assistance that we need on the train. Um, I, it's either 24 or 48 hours in advance. Some of the train companies have different rules, but essentially, you know, it has to be pre-booked. So, again, the spontaneity element is really difficult. Um, now, I'm a planner, so that doesn't much bother me. I don't mm-hmm. mind doing that and, and knowing which train I'm getting on and things. But then what 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 about when, when life happens and when things get in the way and when, mm-hmm. you know, meetings overrun or you get stuck in a traffic jam or you have an emergency and you have to get home quickly? Right. That's when I find the system really falls down because, you know, it's impossible to, to pre-book in in those instances um and then that anxiety element comes back again because it's you know am I going to be able to get on the train or is somebody going to get me off at the other end because you know the station's told me that they'll pull through to my destination and and tell them but has has that actually happened Mm. um so I think I think that's kind of the the major issue is the availability um and reliability are those trains sorry are those trains between um cities then or they're sort of within the city or sorry um um i i guess it depends um where you are and what mode of transport you're traveling on so i know for instance in london traveling by tube traveling by underground um you don't have to pre-book you can you can just turn up and go it's not something i do a huge amount so i don't know in practice how that works um but i tend to travel fairly long distances so between cities or between counties right um i will say that my home station are incredibly good um i think that comes from the benefit of it being quite small and there only being a few members of staff so they all know me very well mm. um and they all say you know good morning carry on the ramp's down there we'll see you in a minute um, you know, and I, so I, I, I know when I'm leaving or when I'm arriving back to that station that um, that that's going to work very well. But for instance, you know, I can go to maybe Manchester and travel on the on the tram network there, on the metro, and um, that's all completely step free. So I don't need any assistance from anybody. I don't need to pre-book it. It's you know, you go straight off the platform onto the onto the tram, level access, 
and it works brilliantly. Um, and it's it's such a nice feeling actually just getting on the mode of transport exactly the same way as everybody else. Does. Oh yeah. So, um, so if you don't book in advance, are you? turned down at the gate or is it just that well we'll try but we can't guarantee anything yeah i think it's more you know we'll we'll try and we'll do our best but we can't guarantee um i've never been turned away right. um again i guess it depends on the size of the station the amount of members of staff and you know if if they've got pre-bookings that they so for instance if they've got you know two wheelchair users to get off the train and me to get on at the same time and there's only two members of staff then you know is that going to work um, I, I think, you know, generally otherwise, I, I find the train travel okay. I mean, I'll say, I, you know, I went to three, four different destinations last week and I had no issues at all. You know, it all worked really well. And, and I think that's important to say, actually, because we don't often enough talk about when, when things are unremarkable and right. things just happen as they yeah. should do, you know. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think, you know, the, the infrastructure in terms of um, the the train facilities could improve. There's not enough space on them. Um, right. Quite often get surrounded by people's luggage and things because there's not enough space for people to, um, to store their luggage safely. Um, and we always hear tales of, you know, in fact, this, this did happen to me last week, being on the train. Um, you get put in the carriage specifically where the accessible toilet is and then halfway through the journey the accessible toilet breaks and becomes out of order oh, no. and you know all of a sudden you you can't go to the toilet um right. and you know this could be a three or four hour train journey so it just there there are definitely issues but like i say um i'm, I'm conscious that i've probably sounded very negative there um and actually i i do travel every week on the train oh. and for me personally more often than not it goes right more than it more than it goes wrong right that's too bad okay um well um so sort of going i guess from a perspective of somebody who's visiting the uk uh in terms of hotels um what percentage of places have uh, accessible rooms now you mentioned when you were younger that they didn't have really any sort of accessible rooms but what, what's it like now? yeah yeah i guess um, I, I i couldn't tell you actual percentages i'm um because my my job these days is kind of less ultimately travel focused when we're all about all different types of, of building and venue. Right. Um, I'm a little bit out of the loop in terms of the stats these days. Um, but I think you know it is it is improving. I think particularly with the um, with the you know the chain hotels, so you places like Holiday Inns, your Premier Inns, your travel lodges. You know there's mm. there's a minimum expectation that there's going to be at least one, two, three accessible rooms. Um, I tend to use those kinds of hotels when I'm travelling for work because you know they're low budget, they're easy, and right. for me, um, I, I know what I'm going to get. You know once you once you've stayed in one, the facilities are generally <laughs> the same across the board. Yeah. Um, and and that that works quite well, but you know I recognise that it's different for everybody. Are, are you able um, to book those online, or do you have to? Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I, I always book online. I'm a I'm a big advocate of um, of doing everything that that I can as quickly and efficiently as I can, um, and not necessarily having to call up and you know block off rooms and things like that. And um, they they have an option to choose an accessible room when you book online. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, there may not be a huge amount of information about the facilities in that room itself, right. uh, but then I guess that's where that's where access able comes in, 
Um, okay. you know, that's that's where. And what we what we try to do with with companies that we work with is get them to deep link through to their accessibility guide on our website. So, okay. if you're on a hotel's website or a or a train station's website, something like that, searching for accessibility information, then you know you can click through and land on the accessibility guide on the, on the accessibility site. Right. Okay. What about um, tourist attractions? Um, I know there's a lot of really places with a lot of history. Um, and I guess that can be a, an issue with making accessibility. How do you feel the uh, tourist attractions are in the UK? Yeah, so from from my perspective of, you know, my individual requirements, I actually think that from, um, from an attractions point of view, we do really well. Um, I think um, there are challenges, but I don't know. In my opinion, I think there's almost kind of more expectation that an attraction will be accessible. You know, I would I would never consider you know going to like a zoo for instance and and it not having an accessible toilet i know there's there's issues with you know changing places toilets and toilets which are more accessible for people who need those um and i do think that's a huge issue and i applaud that campaign um enormously um However, from the from the perspective of the facilities that I need, um, I don't tend to struggle in tourist attractions in this country at all. Okay, even the uh, heritage cultural heritage ones. Yeah, or? so you know, I live in the Lake District, which okay. is generally not very accessible. Probably viewed as not being very accessible. Right. Um, I I live in one of the larger towns, so I live in Kendal, um, and I think that's probably where it's a bit easier for me because you go you know you go into the smaller villages and they are all very hilly there's lots of cobbles on the pavements and things like that and a lot of the the shops and things have you know steps to get into the doors or Mm. steps up or down because they are older buildings um so i think yeah i guess you know you've got to be selective um you know i i can't get around everywhere where i live um but that said, because we are a major tourist destination, to be perfectly honest, I tend to go elsewhere when um, when I want to enjoy some attractions because it's right. incredibly, incredibly busy. Yeah. Um, but I think I think attractions do very well at supplying accessibility information. Again, it's one of the sectors that that we work with at Accessable. Mm. Um, and yeah, as a you know, I can only speak for me personally, as I say, because I yeah, know yeah, that you know sure. everybody has different requirements and things. Um, but but in general, um, I I manage I manage quite well in in attractions. You mentioned toilets in there. Um, sorry, it's a strange fascination of mine, but um, <laughs> yeah, um, we're all obsessed with toilets, yeah. aren't we? As wheelchair users. Yeah. Um, now I understand that in the UK, there's a special key that you have to use a toilet. Yeah, so radar key. Yeah. Radar key, okay. And yeah. is that that is available to anybody who needs it or do you have to do some sort of uh, registration or um, it's a very, very long time since I got mine, but I believe um it's it's available to anybody who needs it. I know there's very various different places that you can source them from. Okay. Um I yeah, it's it's one of those things. I guess it's it's invaluable once you know about it. So if someone who's coming from, like, say, the States or another country where they don't have one of the keys, is it easy for them to get? I'd be concerned. Yeah, I I believe that they can, they can, so the organization is Disability Rights UK. Okay. um, And I believe they can be purchased from their shop online. Oh, okay. Okay, that's good. Um, 
so yeah i you know i went out for the day shopping yesterday to one of the nearby cities um and you know the the, the shopping center the toilets were all were all accessed by radar key so um so it, it does become invaluable once you have it really and it also i guess cuts down on people um using the toilets that don't need them right. um and you know keeps tries to keep the facilities clean and tidy and usable for everybody okay. and the other one you mentioned the changing places now is that started in the uk or is that start somewhere else i've can you maybe sort of explain I, to people what the exchanging places toilet is yeah so i believe it's an initiative started in the uk um i don't know that there are very many of them outside of the uk i've, I've heard just recently that there's very few of them in the us for instance mm. um so a changing places toilet is a very very large accessible toilet which has a hoist in the ceiling um and an adult size changing bench um as well as you know the the usual kind of accessible toilet facilities so grab bars and that sort of thing um and possibly even some other things that i don't know about i'm not a changing places expert i'm right. afraid um but you know it's, it's generally for for people who have difficulty in transferring um for people who who need support to change um before or after toileting that sort of thing um because you know, once um, once I guess small children with with those kinds of requirements grow up and get a bit bigger and things, it becomes a major challenge. Mm, yeah, you know, sure. the, the the changing places campaign tells stories about you know parents having to change adult children in the backs of cars or on oh. dirty toilet floors. Um, so it's it's a campaign that's really. Um, really made a big difference as far as i can see in this yeah. country and that is really continuing to to try and um to try and change facilities in businesses for, for people who require this sort of thing and i think you know I, I just think it's the right thing to do because as i say even though it's not something that um that i require at this stage in my life you know who knows what's going to happen you know yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's got to be beneficial for all of us, but uh, in one time or another. Um, mm. So so yeah, so that's that's changing places in a nutshell. Really. Okay, thank you. Um, what are your top three places for people who are maybe have never been to the UK but might want to go? I guess that's pretty subjective, isn't it? But yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think so. I mean, I touched on it before, but I love Manchester. Um, okay. I think it's a very accessible city. Um, much of, of Manchester was rebuilt in in the nineties, so a lot of the the centre of Manchester is very new. Consequently, making it very accessible and easy to right. get around. Um, but I don't know if I'm a bit biased because I'm a northerner and it's my, my <laughs> kind of my nearest large city right, um, right. um that that might be it really um i think everybody should experience london at least once in their life i right. think it has its pros and its cons its ups and its downs um mm. but i think it's a, a truly kind of magical experience i think you know to experience that that buzz of of the capital city and the many many different walks of life uh, within it is is really special um you know it's it's perhaps not the easiest place to get around um if okay. you've got extra requirements but there's, there's ways and means of doing it um right. and you know one of the things that i've done when i've traveled to london before is really just if, if we're there for a weekend let's just focus on one area you know let's just 
see all of the different things that it is to see in mm. in this particular borough, for instance, right. you know, just to make it a bit more manageable. Um, and then number three, oh, well, so I, I live in the Lake District, which, as I say, isn't the most accessible place at all, but it is stunningly, stunningly beautiful. You know, the the mm. countryside is amazing. Um, that's not to say it's completely inaccessible. You know, I've lived here all my life, so there's there's ways of making it manageable, certainly. Mm. Um, and there are a lot of accessible sort of trails and walks you know a lot more happening all the time um so they're trying to make certain parts of the countryside accessible for people who use wheelchairs to be able to get out and enjoy it um that's only really something i've got into in recent years since um getting my new wheelchair and since getting a dog um because obviously you know she loves to be out running around in the grass in the countryside um and i find it really um really kind of spiritual and calming and Mm. i think it's good for the soul um so Yeah. yeah i guess i guess it's not um it's not the most accessible place, but if if you if you really want to do it and see it, it's definitely manageable. And again, I think it's somewhere that everybody should see at least once in their life. Great. Okay, so we're going to end off with uh, some lightning round questions. Um, on your personal bucket list of places you want to go, what are your top three places? Oh, wow. that's really difficult, isn't it? Um, <laughs> um, I guess one of them is is Australia. Um, so my my best friend emigrated a few years ago. She lives in Perth in Western Australia, um, and the plan is to go and visit at some point. Um, it's something that we haven't just quite got round to yet because it takes. You know, we we're going to need a good three or four weeks of of being free to be able yeah. to go and do it i guess um because such a long flight and that sort of thing i would have mm. to break the journey up and stop off somewhere halfway i wouldn't manage the flight otherwise mm. um but you know as i say that's that's solidly really because it's where my friend lives but also because that then gives me the opportunity to visit you know such a such a different country and culture yeah. um I would say one of the other things I really want to do, it's not necessarily a destination, more of a more a mode of travel, but um, I'd really like to take a cruise. It's not something I've done up until now. I did a small taster cruise just in this country a few years ago when a new ship was launched. Um, but, you know, I hear wonderful things about cruising from the accessible travel community. And, you know, actually, you know, you... you you spend you know 10 minutes going through passport control and then you're on holiday you know oh, wow. okay. you don't have to worry about getting out of your wheelchair getting your equipment damaged on a flight mm. you know having yeah. all of those anxieties that we were discussing earlier mm-hmm. um because you're you know you're just you're just on your holiday instantly um and it gives you the opportunity to visit a lot of different places in a in a short space of time Right. Okay. Um, and now I don't know how to pick a number three. Um, <laughs> I, 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 think <laughs> I would. I would like to um, explore the US. I've, you know, when I when I was a child, we just did the whole Disney thing a couple of times, and I think that's wonderful and it's magical and right. and um, you know, and I think accessibility is. I understand that I found really good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not real, really, is it? Yeah, no, it's um, you know, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to explore and have some proper, proper travel experiences on that side of the pond. I think. 
Okay. Do you listen to a lot of music? Do you have any specific? I, yeah, I, I, my musical taste is quite old, I guess. Okay. Um, so I, I listen to a lot of music that's sort of the era that I was growing up in, so um, the nineties predominantly. Okay. Um, Do you have I, any particular tunes you like to listen to when you're traveling? We have a, um, a Spotify playlist for this podcast, so I try to get people to really, stop two or three songs and we add it to the playlist. So if you have yeah, any suggestions. I, I don't. I, I guess I don't really listen to music a lot when I'm traveling. Music is really a home thing for me. Okay. Um, so if I'm if I'm cooking, for instance, or if I'm doing the housework and things like that, I'll put some music on to keep me going. Right. Um, or if you know if we're doing road trips, then we might have. Um, we will probably just have you know a Spotify on on shuffle and have literally okay. anything random uh, coming out because I like that. I like yeah. I like not knowing what to expect next. Okay, it's um, a spice of life, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, just in the last then, um, just how can people get in touch with you, Carrie Ann? Um, are yeah, you absolutely. online and? Absolutely. So my my website for my for my blog is uh, carrieannlightly.com. Okay. Um, and on there you can read all about my travels and my work mm. and all the different things I'm doing. Um, there's a contact page on there that has all of my social media links, my email, my contact details. Okay. And through there, you can find me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, and then at Accessable. Um, so you can have a look at our new website, accessable.co.uk. Um, you can download the Accessable app from the App Store or the Google Play Store. Um, and again, you can find all of our contact details and social links on our website. Sounds great. Okay, I'll put those in the show notes as well. Uh, so people can get in contact. All right. Thank you so much for your time. And... Uh, I, you probably drank all your coffee through this, so or you, maybe you were speaking and you didn't get a chance to drink. So um, I hope you have a good coffee and a uh, good productive work day today. Thank you. It's been lovely chatting to you. Right, it's been great talking to you too. All right. Thanks. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I encourage you to check out Carrie Ann Lightley's website www.carrieannlightly.com and you can find her or links to Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook on there as well. You should also go and check out AccessAble on their website, accessable.co.uk or find their mobile app online. Carrie Ann is also on the Accessible Travel Forum. You too can join us on the Accessible Travel Forum, www.accessibletravelforum.com. The more users we have, the more useful the site will become. Be sure to ask questions and share your knowledge. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our username is at AccessibleTF. That's at AccessibleTF. Please subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends. Do you have someone who might be interested in being interviewed? Do you want to be interviewed? If so, then please contact us at podcast at AccessibleTravelForum.com. That's podcast at AccessibleTravelForum.com. Keep enjoying your travels and hopefully we'll bump into each other somewhere along the way. Until next time, I'm Josh and this is Have Disability, Will Travel.